What's up, rockers? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast, where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram at talklouder underscore podcast. And of course, our website, talklouderpodcast.com, where you'll find links to our merch and all of our previous episodes. I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. And man, are we geeking out today. We have Joe McGinnis from the band Classic 78. And if you're not familiar with Classic 78, they are a band that specializes in recapturing the sound of vintage Kiss. They're not a cover band. They're their own band. They write their own material. It's all original music, but it sounds like it could have come out in 74, 75. They sound like the vocals sound like Paul Stanley, where they need to sound like Paul Stanley. They sound like Gene Simmons, where they need to sound like Gene Simmons. They sound like Ace Fraley, where they need to sound like Ace. And if you're a Kiss fan and you've been waiting for a new Kiss album since 1977, <laughs> Classic 78 is going to do it for you. We found, it's good I think stuff. We found, I think we found your new favorite record, if that's what you like. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I mean, Jason and I have are obviously of a certain vintage, as I prefer to say. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of us Kiss fans who are of a certain age, uh, we recall the 70s era very fondly. Not to say that there's not good stuff in the 80s, but we fell in love with Kiss in the 70s. And we haven't heard a great, great, great album from Kiss, in our opinions. I won't speak for Jason, but I think it's safe to do so. We probably stopped paying attention in the late 70s, early 80s. It, I stopped paying attention more, after it Creatures more of the my Night. It may be more my opinion than yours. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what you just said there. No, I, you know, the reaction that I have the first time that I press play on anything by Classic 78, was I probably smiled ear to ear. And then the next thing out of my, that I said was probably what the fuck or, oh my God, or they're nailing the shit out of this or, or something to the, to that. And, and right. my wife was probably like, what's he yelling about now? What's he getting all <laughs> uppity about right now? You know, because I, I, I'm easily amused, I would say. Uh, but I don't like everything uh, that I hear when it comes to rock music. So uh, when I heard this, I, it, it was probably one of these things, you got to check this out, you know, and then I was like, okay, cynical, right? Yeah. Cynical. But then when I finally uh, cleared my hold all calls, you know, kind of a thing and pressed yeah. play on something, I was like, uh-oh, this is really cool that these guys – nerded out so hard to we and we talk about this we'll we'll get into it with joe mcginnis here in a minute but we've been trying to get this guy on the show for a while now and i think it's just been uh you know there's there's no like weirdness or anything but it was like kind of weird going the back and forth and there's no reason as to why it was just didn't happen until now but uh, we've known about uh, Classic 78 and this guy, Joe, for a long time now. So yeah. uh, fantastic to have him on and, and nerd out. Uh, and it just turned into a, a mini kiss convention. 
I mean, kind of. <laughs> Right. Yeah. The yeah, three I of mean, us just forgot we were recording a, a a podcast and we were just going, yeah. And that one time and remember, and, oh, you had that shirt. Oh, it just turned into that. So, yeah, you've been warned. Joe, Joe uh, plays the role of Paul Stanley in Classic 78. So all the Paul Stanley vocals are handled by Joe and man, he sounds incredible. And then Tom uh, his counterpart in the band handles all the Gene Simmons and Ace Fraley vocals, and he sounds incredible. It's, and, it's impressive. You know, I made the point in the in the conversation that it's one thing to capture the sound of early Kiss, but to capture the vocals as well as they did is just remarkable. And I think that's what kind of brings it all together and makes it, it really sounds like something that could have come out in 1975 from Kiss. And then the Phantoms artwork, the name of the album is called Phantoms. And the artwork is very reminiscent of Destroyer as far as the color schemes and whatnot. Uh, the artwork was done by Claudio Bergman, an, an artist who we've had on this podcast before. He's uh, maybe most well known among our audience for doing the Judas Priest uh, Firepower album cover. But Claudio does the classic 78 Phantoms album cover. And it's a really cool piece of work. Uh, very reminiscent of Destroyer. Look it up. Uh, look See it up. I won't, I won't try to describe it. Just yeah, look it incredible. up. Yeah. But uh, Classic 78, if you're a Kiss geek like us, you need to have this album. It's called Phantoms. And we've got Joe McGinnis, a.k.a. Paul Stanley, on the Talk Louder podcast today. <laughs> Joe, we're, uh, first of all, I feel like I should say thank you for your service, for giving us the best Kiss music we've heard <laughs> since, I don't know, 78, 77. <laughs> um, man, that, uh, you know, the, that Phantoms record and the two EPs beforehand, you guys have really, really, really captured the authentic sound of classic Kiss. I mean, it, it's amazing. It's uncanny. Well, thanks. I, I wish I could take credit for all of it, but I, I can't. Um, you know, the other guys are very, um, you know, very much so a huge part of it as far as songwriting and uh, musicianship. And so we all kind of work together cohesively to kind of, uh, you know, just kind of create, you know, what we hear is 70s Kiss music and, and hopefully not trick people, but, you know, kind of relive and kind of recapture that feel. And, um, you know, I know as a fan, sometimes um of music in general you know like i long for new kiss music and i think you know as one fan you know would i i'm sure others would too so um well the, you know, it's just a fun little project yeah the, yeah the the fact that if you and and when you first off when you say the other gentleman that you work with that's tom right mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, you, you've had another drummer that played on the recordings, but now you have Charlie. So <clears throat> Charlie played on the Phantoms album. Right. OK. Um, and the drummer before that, uh, his name was Rory. He was a, a friend of ours. OK. Um, it just the, the studio process was a little tough for him um, as far as, you know, I don't think it was his his uh, cup of tea, so to speak. And, yeah. um, and, uh, Tom was friends with Rory for ever since, you know, childhood, I believe. Right. And, uh, they, they just didn't want to make it a big issue with their friendship. So, 
you know, we decided, um, or Tom decided, you know, let's try to separate our friendship from, you know, the music thing. So we're not kind of getting, uh, haired out in the studio or, or, you know, what have you. Well, so around that time, it was kind of a mutual thing between Rory and, and, uh, Tom and, and then Tom ran it by me and I said, you know, it's certainly possible to, you know, find someone else. And we didn't really have to look very far because, Charlie Benante was kind of waving the flag for us right off the bat, along with oh, yeah. Eddie Trunk and, and a, a few other guys, Joey Casada. Um, oh, yeah. You know, those guys and, and Mike Portnoy. I mean, these guys it all seems to be drummers. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the drummers, you know, it kind of worked out. So uh, initially we thought, well, what if we have guest drummers on every song? You know, like, you know, spread the love a little bit, get Mike Portnoy on one, get Charlie on. But uh, when I met Charlie backstage, first time to talk about it, he said, I want to do them all. And I said, right. Okay. I said, well, that's and all, those, I said all those drummers you're talking about, they're all friends. Yeah, they are. So it's they kind are. of a, uh, you know, I don't think it would have worked out anyway, but could have been a great plan on paper. Um, sure. You're lucky that you didn't have to go very far to find the right guy because Charlie's the right guy. He really is. And it's funny, you know, the differential between what he does in Anthrax and what he can do as far as, you know, kind of reliving some of the Peter Chris vibe and putting it onto, uh, I say tape, but nothing's tape anymore. Uh, I say tape. I I say tape all the time. I say tape. You say albums too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's right. Same here. You know? Uh, so what's funny about it is, um, when Charlie said he was all in, you know, I'm thinking, okay, you know, I know he's a busy dude, you know, he's got, especially now with Pantera and everything. Yeah. And I, we knew this going into it. And, um, but he, as the consummate professional that he is, he went in knee deep and he sent me this picture of him with his drum kit and he had taken off the bottom heads and made, made concert toms. He pretty much uh, made a mock Peter Chris kit you know, with vintage symbols and all sorts of fun stuff. And uh, he went all in and even with a miking, because Charlie's worked with Eddie Kramer, you know, on some albums. And so he had kind of picked his brain in the time that he worked with Eddie on miking techniques and so on and so forth. And of course, the legend of how some of the uh, drum tones were created, you know, on uh, Rock and Roll Over and Destroyer. So anyway, he went all in. He had mics all over the place. He had them in the hallways upstairs. I mean everywhere so he he really did a heck of a job you know he just kind of went 110 percent. yeah talk, well, talk a little bit about that because you know obviously part of the the sound that you're creating is is a throwback to kiss's early 70s to mid 70s albums so obviously the studio technology at that time is you know decades old compared to today's standards. So how did, how did you dial back or downgrade, if you will, modern technology to capture such an old vibe? So basically the acronym, keep it simple, stupid. I know it doesn't, you know, uh, Knights and <laughs> Satan service or whatever you want, but it's, it's true. You know, we didn't get too elaborate. There was some modern technology involved, you know, um, you know, very, fine bits of it but for the most part marshall amps and uh you know we used a firebird for paul paul's guitar parts or les paul jr or you know something along those lines 
I like and, how you're uh, calling it Paul's guitar parts. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, it, <laughs> well, the you the, just the, for the, the record, the, you are the yeah. Paul Stanley in yeah, Classic but, '78, right? Yeah, that, I do uh, do all the Paul all duties, the Paul I guess you stuff. could say. Right, right. You know, it's it's funny. No one really knows what to classify because people say, "Is this a tribute band or is it a tribute?" I mean, what is it? And I don't know if there's really a term for it just yet, but I guess you know, a tribute of some sort would be somewhat fitting but it of course kind of is, is it, it's all you know kind of grew legs on its own with the songwriting and yeah um you know even if you weren't a, a 70s kiss fan and you heard it you would think okay it's uh you know that um kind of dated you know 70s rock sound all, um, which all you know purpose yeah yeah exactly. yeah yeah and, and i think you know you know i'm a old soul you know i've always i've always just uh appreciated everything about music that was recorded, especially in that, you know, era and, and even further back, you know, fifties and sixties music, just something about listening to that, uh, kind of bring, you know, teleports you back to a different time. So Definitely. it kind of, you know, it's very uh, satisfying for me to try to recreate some of these tones or, you know, or that vibe. I remember uh, during, uh, the lockdown time, you know, we did, uh, Charlie and I did a, um, a couple covers on his, album um silver linings we did yeah. mr speed and we did all the way from hotter yeah. than hell i i love that yeah. i i own that record so yeah oh awesome i'm awesome. very familiar yeah so i i just i just remember uh you know things like that an actual kiss song there was little uh bits of feedback that ace would get on his guitar parts and I actually did all the guitar parts on that. I know John Five is credited. <laughs> he mocked yeah. it in the video. Oh, that's but funny. I actually did play all the parts. And um, but there was little bits of feedback, you know, um, in between chords, and I couldn't get that. Um, so I actually went back and artificially put in little feedback sounds after every chord. You know, I, you know, just I wanted it to sound so close that you know. You know, as close as I could. I, I've and, actually, uh, I've actually done that before and recorded like amp buzz, yeah, and hiss, like it has its mm -hmm. own. You know, I'm calling the the mixing engineer. Hey, can you turn up the amp buzz track <laughs> a little bit? You know, shit like that. <laughs> Back in the day, they they were trying to get rid of it, and here we are trying to you know replicate it. Yeah. I have this theory that it's part of the 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 vibe and the smell of the record that you're listening to. Absolutely. And, people, and I actually, people don't understand that they want everything to be just quantized. And anyway, that's a whole other yeah, podcast. No, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. People want to kind of, you know, homogenize it and make it absolutely perfect. And I, and I understand that side of everything too. But sure. when you're talking about an old Aerosmith record or a Kiss record or ACDC record or whatever, it has to, has to have smoke on it. it has to be like burnt a little yeah. bit for it to sound. I agree. Right. Yeah, I agree. And actually, um, I put uh, an artificial. It's a digital tape saturation and hiss on all of the recordings because um, it Love did it. kind of widen, widen and fatten the sound. And uh, but on top of that, you know, it was too clean to begin with. I said, you know, no matter what recording digital and it was just too clean so i added this slight bit of tape hiss because yeah. it, it was there on the original recordings and uh i think it should be there to kind of give that what about uh, what texture. about how i'm sorry i'm talking over you we we i tend to no you're good i'm, I'm the worst about no, that good. on this show 
but I, I, I get excited about talking about this kind of stuff, especially Kiss. So when you when you kind of like are are getting close to ready to mix, and you have like rough mixes, and you're kind of like just you know you know get getting double vision listening to it so hard. <laughs> do you yep. uh, do do you do you feel like Oh, maybe just a little bit of reverb because reverb can change the whole scape of what you're trying to do if sure. you put too much. I feel mm -hmm. like I feel like those old, especially the first, you know, Hotter Than Hell and and Dress to Kill and and uh, the debut. I, I feel like those are fairly dry. Yeah, I agree. I agree what, with that. For what sure. are you in in the end? Are you are you are you are you really going for just that, like everything sitting right here, or do you want it to like? Is there any breathing that you've had to do? I'm. It's kind of an interesting question from my that own. That is no. That, I, I, because people aren't that. thinking about what they're. Oh, it sounds like Kiss. Cool, turn it up. You know. But I sure, want to no. know where where you are when it's that much of your goal to for it to be that because then it's fucking important. Sure. That's an, actually an amazing question. Uh, amazing question. Um, and I'll tell you why, because we had this discussion, you know, all of us, you know, not being able to work in the same room um, can be challenging. But at the same time, in the mixing process, you know, obviously you send a, a mix to whoever and they listen to it. They give you your critique and uh, everyone kind of tries to compromise. Well, we had one song on the album. Uh, it's called what you going to do? Yeah. And, um, Charlie was going for a larger than life, you know, side four of a live two vibe. And Tom was going for something different. And I was kind of leaning on Charlie's side a little bit. So, you know, I had a pan reverb and, you know, just trying to recapture that larger than life kind of roomy bonomy kind of drum yeah, sound. That, that guitar intro as well has a little bit of slap. Like it's banging it off a wall somewhere too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That, that was me. Uh, you know, I tried to kind of somewhere in the middle, you know, yeah. but yeah, it, it's really tough. And sometimes a song may lend itself. If a song sounds more like a dress to kill song, you're going to obviously back off. Cause that's a very bone dry record. Yeah. So if this song sounds like something off dress to kill, uh, you know, the song kind of has a, you know, whatever room service vibe or whatever, you know, we try to once again kind of um, tap into people's psyche, you know, and just be like, "Hey, why does it sound familiar?" It's because the sonics not only help create, you know, that that uh, experience, um, you know, along you know with the reverbs and, and uh, compression, and everything else. That little bit of minute uh, change could make a world of difference as far as the experience, you know, the listening experience. Wow, I feel like uh, you know capturing the the music and the sound is one thing, but the way you guys recreate the vocals is amazing. I mean, you you sound like Paul Stanley right off of it, anything I hear could have been a lost demo tape from the from the Dress to Kill sessions or the Rock and Roll Over sessions. And then you know you're the Paul Stanley, and then I think it's Tom that that does the Gene voice. And he, you know, he comes on two songs later or one song later or whatever. It's like, oh, my God, they did the Gene Simmons perfect. How do you guys 
How much study went into mimicking those vocals as well as you do? This is great. I just listened. I have to confess, I've already told Dave this, but I spent some time. I don't even feel like I was doing research because I completely get what you guys have created. And I fell in love with it immediately. I'll tell you the first time I heard it and who turned me on to it <clears throat> later on. But I would listen to the Tom on Eddie Trunk's show. And, and mm -hmm. people were calling in and talking Ooh. to Eddie after the fact and asking, like one guy was like, man, they sound just like them. How do they do their voices <laughs> like that? You know, and Eddie was very cool and, and said, well, you know, there's people do impressions, you know, and if you're a fan of somebody, you start to become them, you know, a little bit. Right. Your influence is your influence. But <clears throat> to Dave's question, yeah, where are you? Where are you starting? I mean, is it literally do a, a line or a track and go, it's not good enough. Doesn't sound like Paul enough. Yeah. So the very beginning, as a Kiss fan, as a, as a kid, I was like four years old. My first recollection of being, you know, uh, you know, falling into the. Um, the abyss. You know, the, the, the abyss of Kiss, you know. <laughs> I remember all of us. Yeah, being a four-year-old singing cold. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. The other kids at school were listening to Sesame Street and rhymes, and here I am singing cold gin, not even knowing what the hell I was saying, you know. But it was so catchy. And then my brother had the tapestries on the wall, and all this other, and all the posters and records, and I just was completely, you know, in love. Um, but that's where the uh, inception of these voices came along. I would find myself um trying to mimic them at a young age and of course my voice has changed through the years and at the end of the day i'm not paul stanley by any means i can't you know i could try my best um but yeah i was doing a vocal track the other day uh, i was doing a cover of room service actually for oh, nice. a couple guys uh, and one of my all-time favorite songs you know and uh it was just i sat down and I, some of the lines, it seemed like I was nailing, but he had such a, Paul had such a thick uh, New York accent and such a really, he has a unique voice to begin with, right? Yeah. So then you add that accent and uh, it took me probably three separate sessions to really kind of nail and get like, you know, kind of mold my vocal cords in my, in the way I would pronounce words. And I got it to the point where I was actually pretty happy with it. That being said, there are some songs, like I said, I, I wish I could hit everything perfect, but the truth is, you know, there are obvious limitations, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, some of the high stuff, like, uh, like the mid, I don't know, somewhere in the higher register, it starts to cut off where he can, you know, Paul did things that were kind of amazing. He almost had this threshold where he would become slightly gritty when he'd well, get up high room service he he's singing like that's almost on his break and some of the notes and some of the where i'm not telling you anything he was, he <laughs> no, was no, no. singing this really cool gritty on that take and mm -hmm. and it's amazing because he could jump up to the top note of whichever line uh and and it would be clean and come back right. down and, and have the grit again and and gene was was pretty good at that same thing i feel like those guys they didn't even realize that they were creating this sort of, and they were probably emulating, they were probably trying to be, 
you know, uh, the guy from yeah. Mumble Pie or something. You know, they were yeah, probably, sure. you know, they, they saw Steven Tyler, so they were trying stuff like, who knows? It's so funny you said that, because while I was recording that, I was thinking all, all these same things were going through my head. And, uh, you know, like, wonder who he was, who he, who he was uh, trying to impersonate or kind of be like or yeah because there's an influence you know i hear the early rock and roll influence but you also hear something else in there that you can't quite put your finger on and all these years later i'm like you know there's a little bit of a motown vibe in there and now all the puzzle comes together and i'm like okay i kind of hear what he did here yeah I yeah think very, he's he's gone on record as being a huge steve marriott fan there's the humble pie and then mm-hmm. uh, also a huge rod stewart fan which is basically you know, an extension of Sam Cooke and there, there's your R and B and some of your gospel thrust right there. Absolutely. And that's a perfect, um, you know, layout of his influences, you know? Yeah. But I mean, the whole vocal thing, I can't speak for Tom because Tom does the ACE and the gene parts, Mm -hmm. which is kind of impressive to go from this to that. Two totally separate voices, as you guys know, you know, and um, the Paul thing, I, I started out doing just like, kiss recordings you know when i was a kid uh, i was like 15 14 or 15 and i'm just diving deep into this whole process of trying to replicate sounds back then you know i'm 39 right now but back then you know when i was 13 i would sit there with a four track and i'd be like how can i get this to sound like the, you know i was tink always tinkering with sounds so it was almost meant to be i mean i think we all you know anyone who's into this music and loves it as much as we do obviously you know, has a passion for it, but it kind of fell into my lap and I never thought in a million years, I'd be, you know, be, be in a band like this doing uh, a Paul voice. It just was something I always did for fun, but now it kind of, like I said, kind of grew legs and um, you know, there's talk of doing more, more stuff and um, uh, potentially, you know, playing live. Uh, Charlie said, as long as we have a big stage show, he'll gladly do it. And I said, okay, well, let's, Nice. Uh, start saving our pennies. Well, the first <laughs> time that you guys came on my radar, I have to give credit to, and I and I'm I'm almost certain that it was from Claudio. Oh, I did yeah. your Claudio's album cover awesome. art? Yeah, and we've had mm-hmm. Claudio on the show, and he's done Claudio Bergman. Done did, a bunch uh, of my album covers and and art for me as well. Yeah, but, King covers and the Judas Priest firepower, and he's done Judas Priest, classic, the classic '78 Phantoms record. Yeah, Go ahead, he Jason. Re- I'm just uh, re- setting the table there. Yeah, he's also redone uh, fairly recently the the Dangerous Toys Clown art recreated that for us as well. Awesome, he did all yeah, awesome. great stuff. You can imagine Claudio do, redoing that clown; it was mm-hmm. fucking great. <laughs> but uh, he he we became chummy after we did this convention together, and uh, and then uh, you know he's he's like have you heard classic 78 i said what's a classic 78 is that a car is that an amplifier you know he was like check this out you know and um i started immediately turning my my kiss freak friends onto it and they were just like they were like what the fuck is going on what is you know so i'm sure that you're used to hearing you know people react the exact same way all the time um I also feel like I'm, I don't want to put words in your brain or in your mouth, but at the same time, I feel like there's not really another answer and you can, uh, school me. The idea of 
like you kind of admitted that you never thought in a million years that you'd be in this band doing this, this, you know, um, right, right. the, the, you know, the crazy harebrain idea of like, you know, a bunch of nerds in a room going, it doesn't, it's not right yet. It doesn't sound like kiss enough. You know, that sounds right. like some bad docking song. Come on guys, got to work harder to get this to sound right. You know? And, and I just, I think that's a beautiful thing because I'm a super kiss nerd, but at, but at the same time I can see someone else like, why would they want to do that? Right. You know, an original songwriter who plays hard rock or metal or whatever, or both or whatever, would be like, why would anyone in their right mind, <laughs> sane mind, think that this yeah. would be a great idea? Well, they don't understand what me and Dave and obviously others understand sure. what, what, where the nerd heart is in what you guys are doing. Right. Yeah, you know, there's plenty of, of heart you know, of us, of, of us nerds, you know, Charlie, obviously, um, you know, he lives, breathes, sleeps, kiss, you know, he's not and, the only one in anthrax who is a kiss. That, that's the, this is true. So there was actually talk about classic 78 opening an anthrax tour. Holy. And holy. we're like, how could we, you know, how Charlie's like, I, I don't know if I could do two, you know, he could, He's like, oh, that'd be yeah. the only obstacle could, because I, I don't know if Scott or someone brought it up and said, well, why don't we have classic 78? And I, I think, you know, I get it, you know, playing as the opener and headliner is a little, yeah, a little weird, you know? Uh, but, you know, there was talk of things like that. Um, you know, we've always kind of toyed around with how would we make this uh, work live, you know, but the, like, like the studio thing, the heart's there, so we could figure it out one way or another. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, if you want to do something enough. Um, but yeah, the geekness, you know. I like that uh, what, word. What I've, the geekness. The geekness. See, I, I'm just throwing out these, geek, you know, new words. New. <laughs> but uh, these guys are so much fun. Um, yeah. Tom is, Tom writes 90% of the stuff. Okay. Because, uh he he likes to kind of be the guy in the shadows. If it was up to him, he wouldn't, um, you know, he wouldn't even be known at all. Um, but what happened that kind of forced that issue was I joined a band with Chris Jericho doing '80s Kiss. Oh wow! Um, I didn't know that. And, and so during the quarantine, uh, we actually named the band band Quarantine with a K. And okay. um, you know, we did some '80s because the '80s is when I became a kiss fan you know i used to watch animalized live uncensored that's Not to get claudio too... that's what that's the era claudio's into yeah I, he's I very love both. That. yeah i love all eras of kiss you know the 70s obviously is hard to touch um but i don't look at it i look at it as separate bands it's like you know i like mm. this band and i like that band yeah. and that's kind of how I, I i you know kind of approach that but anyway i joined this actually we started this band with jericho and the drummer for Luke Bryan, PJ Farley from Trickster. Right. Um, Bruce Kulik joined us. Um, wow. You know, so we did this little fun jam session, but Jericho has to go all in. So he did a press release. He did a single release. I mean, he did radio. Um, it was ridiculous. So he put all this in there, but he said, I want to be able to say Joe from Classic 78. 
you know, he's like, cause that's our kiss cred right there is like, you know, he knows, you know, that there's a lot of people that dig what we do. So he kind of threw that out there and said, cause at that time we were anonymous. No one had any clue. Okay. Right. Um, other than a handful of people like Charlie kind of reached out to us early on and yeah, but no one knew. And uh, we kept it a secret for a long time because we wanted to keep that part of the experience. So Jericho was like, man, I really, really want to be able to use, you know, your name, your full name and, you know, that you're in classic 78. He's like, if we're going to do a press release. So I talked it over with Charlie and Tom and like, you know what, just go for it, man. Let's do it. Let's, you know, let's, you know, I don't think it'll change people's opinion too much um, on the experience, you know, the listening, because we like to keep the mystique. Well, you know, who did this or who was it? You know, the, everything about Kiss was a mystique in the 70s. And that's, we even wanted that minutia down to that point to be, you know, a, a thing. Yeah. And um, so that's kind of how we treated it for a while. But uh, that kind of got, you know, broke open, so to speak. And then it came out that Charlie was the, the drummer. And so now it's kind of common knowledge if, if you're into this. Um, so, and, and that's okay with me. Um, those guys fought it a little bit, but then at the 11th hour, they're like, you know, what? let's, let's embrace, you know, all of it. So, yeah, yeah. That's, that's something that I noticed. Uh, in fact, today is the first time I'm ever seeing your face. I don't, you know, I I've been listening to your music and I don't think I've seen, uh, you know, your images aren't, uh, you're not very visible. You guys are sort of like kiss in the seventies where, you know, even if there was a photo, half their face was covered or whatever. Sure, sure. Uh, but with you guys, I mean, you're really anonymous. And we actually had Charlie on the show on the Talk Louder podcast at one time. And at the time, I don't think, I think Jason might have been aware. But had I been aware that he was involved in Classic 78, <laughs> I would have asked him a question. But it was such sure. a secret, I didn't even know. And he's on the show and we're talking to him. And I had no idea so I, I mean, think it was a we were kind of that was a, sh a short episode because he was he was yeah it was short because he was on the road but yeah. I definitely would have slipped that in there I had think I he known. was from it, home but he had a bunch of press and they were it was a we yeah. only had thirty minutes sure away, sure we couldn't but get so, so, but that goes hand in hand with question, like yeah. you said the sort of the the mystique of Kiss in the seventies they were you know obviously their faces were very vi visible they were a very image conscious band but they were painted up and then when they were out in public or whatever they covered right. their faces and all that stuff so i found it interesting that you guys were also kind of very hard to pinpoint i couldn't tell what you looked like i didn't know your names that sort of thing sure so i wanted to go back to something you said earlier when you're when you're starting all this and you're questioning uh, what is this is this a tribute band uh what do we call this and the thing is, what I what I got out of it is obviously lots of bands are influenced by other bands and those influences seep into their sound and possibly their image or whatever. But you guys took it all the way <laughs> like you got the sound, you got the album artwork, you've got the the imagery on the album hints at kiss. It's got all the correct instruments. It's got the the dragon wrapped around the pole from, you know, the, the stage show. The color scheme and the logo is the same. So I guess my question is, when, when did you decide that not only are we going to play original music that's influenced by KISS, we're also going to borrow all these other elements and stop just short of being full on, you know, the, right. the makeup and all that stuff? 
Like how uh, far did you, de- when did you decide how far you're going to take this? <laughs> the cease and desist. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was getting well, there. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the thing that we don't want to do is we don't want to completely just like, you know, we don't want to wear the makeup. We don't want to cause any, you know, ruckus. We just want to celebrate that sound that no one makes anymore, you know? And so what we did is, um, you know, we came up with our own, uh, way around. So we do actually have, uh, faces trademarked that are just white faces with the, you know, appropriate colored lips and, um, and certain color aviator. So if you're Peter, it'd be a green aviator. These actually, these faces are actually trademarked. I don't know how Tom did it, but wow. they, uh, he did do it. So we have this really odd, uh, you know, backup plan if we were to have to play live, you know. Um, so that was something, you know, and as far as the artwork, um, Claudio, you know, we had, uh, Tom had a concept actually. And then Tom, you know, reached out to Claudio. We said, we're going to go all in on this, but we don't want to get too close to the bone where we're infringing or creating any issues with the kiss camp. You know, we were trying to do it respectfully out of, you know, and just, see who salutes it you know this may not be for somebody um that's a kiss fan but you know what i've found is um once again if there's a a need for something as a or a want for something like i I want more another kiss album well the timing is right because kiss isn't releasing any new music and and when they do it you know and what they release is fine but it's not what it used to be and that's you know obviously our incentive there but um we're just trying to celebrate that without, you know, poking, uh, poking them, you know, the wrong way or upsetting someone. I, but, I think that's what I was getting at is, you know, you guys, you guys took it as far as you possibly could without quite hitting that cease and desist. And, <laughs> and, and, and I, I think that's really cool because everything about it screams kiss to me, but it stops just short of getting you in trouble. So having come that close, uh, and, and I think your website, you might even have some testimonials from Gene or Paul or both. Uh, so they've heard of you guys and they have, and apparently they're, they're actually, you know, pretty respectful of what you do and they're in favor of it and there's no real issues or whatever. Tell us about their feedback to you when they discovered you. Well, the, the best compliment that uh, I could ever ask for. And, I, and once again, never in a million years would I would expect this. But uh, I have, you know, Jericho, who's a friend who is also close with Paul Stanley. And the f- very first time Jericho ever even heard of me before him and I were friends was at Paul's house. They were playing Kiss Pinball. And Paul just randomly takes out the CD and says, have you ever heard of this band, Classic 78? Oh. We... It, we had sent, you know, out, sent out numerous CDs just to kind of, you know, you know, to podcast and, and just people in the kiss world that, you know, we thought might get a kick out of it. Somehow Paul ended up with it and he loved it, but he he said, I just can't get over how much he sounds like me in the seventies. And I got that from Jericho and I'm like, but even before um, someone else had heard that he had said that. And man, I just like, I was like a little schoolgirl for like two days. I'm just like, this is unbelievable, you know? Wow. And um, so on the, the other hand, 
um, and, and we actually had our uh, instrumental uh, music in the Kiss Annie biography, the official biography. Wow! So they did. Okay. They did know um, enough, you know, to kind of reach out when they were looking for something in the vein of that seventies, you know, sound. When the licensing for their, uh, you know, I don't know. I assume it was a budgeting deal. You know, so they were trying to keep within the limits of the budget, you know, the producer. And I guess Kiss said, well, the Kiss camp, I don't know who it was, but someone said, reach out to these guys, you know, see what they have. And luckily we had had, um, you know, some material. And Tom actually wrote, you know, all of that. And it ended up on the um, biography. So that tells me that, you know, we're in good standings and that we're not ticking them off too much. And, and Gene, uh, you know, I'm friends with some of his guys in his solo band. And, uh, you know, they played that for him on the tour bus, you know, years back when they were doing Gene's solo tour. And um, Gene was just super cool about it. He said a lot of nice stuff. Um, I'm not sure what Peter and Ace have said or if they've even heard it. It just seems to be easier to kind of get a response from Gene or Paul, which is kind of ironic, really. I thought it would be the other way around. But yeah. Um, we, we've, you know, had a lot of uh, great feedback from numerous people in the KISS camp, but those two obviously are most notable and, uh, you know, kind of makes you feel like the hard work has paid off and um, gives you some reward at the end of the day, which is nice. Sure, sure. You mentioned Peter Chris, and, and you guys don't have a Peter Chris voice among the among your, in your it's camp. Ner it's nerd reward, but you'll take it. That's oh, yeah. right. That's yeah, right. nerd reward. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah so, so, so how come no Peter Chris in classic 78? Peter Chris vocals, obviously. Well, I, I got to tell you something, and I, I don't think it's any secret, but Peter may have the best voice in Kiss as far as tone. And I wouldn't say his vocal ability. Paul obviously has all of them beat, you know, especially in his prime. Um, but Peter probably has the most radio friendly and just soothing, you know, great sounding voice out of all of them. And, um, it's a very hard voice right next to Paul. They're very unique and we haven't found the right candidate. We've had people reach out and we just, we want someone that can pull it off, but is just a biggest geek, big of a geek as we are. And, um, you know, so, this goes out to everyone listening. If you, if you, uh, you know, think you could pull it off, send us a message on our uh, website and uh, we're willing to, you know, we're willing to uh, give you a shot. You know, yeah. I think that it would be great. We've even talked about it. Say, well, you know, maybe we could get Peter to sing on a track. Cause Charlie's friends with Peter. I'm like, man, maybe we could just get him to sing, you know, or do an album with him or because he hasn't released a rock album um in quite a while you know every time he kind of releases something it, it's in the vein of uh i don't know r&b or yeah you know or you know sinatra kind Maybe of vibe. nothing wrong with it guy. yeah big band yeah and yeah. which would yeah there you go you know so um it would be cool to kind of get that voice and i know a lot of people do that's one of the biggest gripes we hear about is oh we need peter voice and i'm a thousand percent with everyone too i want that voice it's just a matter of this guy's out there or girl, if the girl could pull it off too. Sure. Um, you know, if you're out there, I mean, invitations open. We've been looking, I asked Charlie cause Charlie has a kind of a gravelly voice too. And I said, Charlie, is there any way that you could just, you know, and he's like, Nope, 
<laughs> I was like, come on, not even, not even a sample. He's like, nope, he didn't want to get into it. I was like, yeah, okay. Wow. Cause um, he plays everything. He yeah. does. And I, and if you hear him talk, he definitely, you know, he has a very, you know, he's from New York also, yeah. just like Peter was, you know, he has a, you know, a little bit of a, or as Gene calls it a whiskey voice, you know, has a, yeah. a kind of raspiness to it. Yeah. Um, I just don't know. He, maybe he's just not uh, comfortable. You know, I've always know. thought, I've always thought that, uh, uh, the Neil Turbin, the first anthrax singer, uh, on fistful of metal, even on metal thrashing mad, the first few lines, I've always thought he had like a Paul Stanley sure. uh, sort of tone because the New York thing and everything. And then, like, I've always thought that. So when you listen to Fistful of Metal, or when I listen to Fistful of Metal, I go, man, I can just tell that's that guy where he's from and that he's that he's he knows who Paul Stanley is vocally. He's sure, familiar sure. with that uh, timber for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. you haven't played live. Um, what, what would it take for you to play live and, and what, what do you imagine the presentation being? Uh, because obviously we're talking about classic kiss, but you mentioned earlier that you, you or one of your bandmates isn't necessarily into the full blown production. So, so share with us why you haven't played live and when you do, what might that look and sound like? Well, we've, you know, thrown out numerous ideas of how we could do it. And, and, and there's only three of us at the moment. Um, we do have other options. You know, there was a time we were supposed to do something with John five, um, but now he's taken on a gig that may be just a little bit more, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, taking up more of his time and uh, priority, which is fine. But at one time we were supposed to do something in New York city. It was, you know, somewhere, I don't know. I think it was 2021 or whatever, July. We were supposed to do something in New York City with um, John, but apparently it fell through. And that would have been, you know, the first real attempt of trying something. Um, but I do know Charlie is really adamant about having a, a stage show with really cool Kiss-like, you know, effects. And, and I stand behind him on that. I think that would be really cool. It'd be great to play the music. You know, we've talked about possibly doing the Kiss Cruise at one time. There was talks of it, and um, it just never seemed to um, work out. You know, I don't, you know, know if that's the kind of gig that Charlie would want to do. And I respect that because you know he's he's put his um, years in of, of doing all sorts of stuff, and um, you know it's, it's hard to you know no one wants to play to fifty people. You know. If, you know, travel halfway across the world for, you know, next to nothing and, and not get satisfaction of it out of it. We, it would have to be something special and, and something really kind of over an the event. top. An event. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's, you know, and that's uh, basically the whole premise behind it is it's, it's got to make sense to everyone. It's got to, you know, but as far as visually, you know, possibly makeup of some sort, like we talked about what we had, uh, you know, kind of the general idea earlier. And then I don't know about costumes. I know nothing about that or I don't know. I'd have to, you know, work out a little bit to try to fit into that because, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the spandex and all that, um, could well, be tricky. The, the primitive, 
the primitive kiss you know yes. the, the early yeah. cost the early costumes were were barely costumes at all they were they were uniforms and seemed yeah. to be just made up of black clothing and shit sometimes they were you know puffy shirts and vest like they were going to bring you a wine menu or something <laughs> but, if you if if you look hard enough on youtube there is uh, one time we got together in a rehearsal studio mm-hmm. to do a, a mini promo video of a song called Standing Tall. I think it was on uh, the first uh, or side one. I think it was. I think I watched. Uh, I've seen that. And uh, we had we had a, a guy um, on bass who was excellent. He played Gene in a tribute band. And um, I don't know if he wants his name out there. So I'll, I'll respect that. But the drummer was Rory in that video. And myself and tom and um but that's on on youtube somewhere is, is and you tom kind of see is tom a lefty he, okay he is a lefty yeah, i, I yep. did see that video you're talking about yeah yeah and we all just you know at the time we were like uh what are we wearing today you know i, I have this leather jacket and some jeans i didn't really plan ahead you know otherwise <laughs> i probably would um but you know someone handed me a paul stanley iceman because i actually don't have that guitar but um said so here we use this okay great and um you know we kind of once again you know taken on that uh you know that uh, position without you know getting too close to the um the bone on it as they say i want yeah, to talk that, about your voice again dave dave got me kind of itching uh to to ask you are you tr- a trained singer um i've actually I, i've had basic vocal lessons in okay. the beginning a, a guy that sang um for uh vermont symphony orchestra i don't know he was so i i did take some lessons but i wouldn't say i'm like legitimate uh you know that was like a summer summer's worth okay right um you got some pointers you gave some guy here's a few bucks give me some pointers so i don't hurt myself yeah pretty much you know and uh but you know i grew up in a family of musicians so i've been singing playing performing and uh like I said, the, the training camp was my older brothers and I jamming kiss songs because there are musicians, you know, so it was handy. We always had, you know, we to this day, we still do uh, annual kiss jams. We get together oh, wow. sometimes. So, you know, I would it'd give me practice of, of uh, you know, kind of pulling some of this stuff off live. And um, and that's the other thing, too, is the thing about the classic 78 thing as far as the vocals. um you know, I don't know how much, you know, there's only so much you could do. I mean, we could write material forever, but I've had other ideas like let's do a live, a live kind of vibe, you know, where it's recorded in the studio or in a rehearsal studio with the crowd and the bombs and everything in the back and the, the stage wraps. Um, but to pull it, pull this off live, I'm not exactly sure vocally if I can because truthfully I I've actually never really sang this stuff in a live situation. I've played in cover bands, cover bands over the years. The closest I came is uh, we played a gig with Jericho um, on his cruise. He has a cruise every year and he he lost his voice and he was suffering a a bruised larynx. Mm. Um, So he was really having trouble and he asked me, could you step in and kind of help me out here? And I said, wow, not only Paul Stanley vocals, but 80s Paul Stanley vocals, which are way, way up there. 
I pulled it off, but man, it was, it was tough. So I really don't know. I, I'd have to see how this translates live and probably kind of just like a, a fighter or anything else, you know, fighter or a runner kind of have to get myself into appropriate shape to pull some of this off. Cause yeah, it's, yeah. it's tricky, man. It's definitely tricky trying to do all of those vocal, you know, uh, I don't know, tricks with that kind of range. It's just so unique in itself, you know? Well, <clears throat> there's this, there's this thing about singing, you know, loud rock vocals and I'm not telling you anything, but where there's the live version you're going to sing <laughs> and there's the studio version and, you know, you want to do it this way in the studio because it sounds legit and it's, sure. it's best for the song. Mm -hmm. And then live there's, you know, you could use a different voice, a head voice, a mixed voice and, and not have to like, you know, burn your lungs to, you know, to try to hit sure. the way sure. you want to do it. And, and, and no one really notices in, in my uh, experience, no one really notices the difference between what's happening when a singer is kind of like not taking a backseat, but singing in a slightly sure. different voice to be able to hit the right note or to, to make it the song uh, have the ingredients that the listener, the fans uh, fell in love with and not walk away going, oh, man, he didn't do the thing. He didn't hit the right, note, sure, and that sure. sucks, and I'm bummed. And I'm that guy. I'm that kid in the audience going, oh, Rob Halford, he didn't – he sang Painkiller yeah. a whole octave lower. What the fuck? You know, yes. I'm that yeah. kind of guy. But yeah. I love everything Rob does. He can do no wrong because of just his tenor and his life and his the sh shit he's been through and what he's – you know, he's just – a, a hell of a person nowadays mm -hmm. and it's great sure. but yeah but, and i feel like the the you know gene and paul are like these these people that we as fans have grown up kind of like you know from afar we kind of see and have gone through this vocal change with them <laughs> at, you know from yeah. studio yeah. to live for like yeah. ever for you know since we were children since you were four We've seen yep. all of that and heard all of that. So sure. for to be a singer um, and to hear that and realize all that, I don't know if yeah. you can tell I'm a singer as well. So I'm oh, of talking to you uh, via true experience on what, sure. what the yeah. hell is, what the hell you have to do to pull that shit off live. Yeah. Sometimes it can be a bummer. It's like, oh yeah, it was okay. You know, you're trying to get through the night and save some for tomorrow. Yes. Because yes, you have to do it 30 more times in a row. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what yeah. the hell? You know, so. <laughs> so yeah. the, the, when the discussion does come up, you know, and it does come up, definitely, you know, every few months, you know, Tom will call me and say, hey, we got a potential. Like we had one at the whiskey that was a potential thing. I think it was for Cruise Fest or something. Okay. and. And I'm like, well, let's, you know, see how it goes and let's see if Charlie wants to do it. And, and then I'll, you know, really kind of, you know, step on it and say, okay, Practice. I got to get my, get myself in gear. You know, it's not a question of if I can do it. Cause I know with hard work, you could pretty much do anything, but it, yeah. it's a matter of, you know, sometimes that little bit of perfectionist in me comes out and like, yeah. it's not going to sound like the record, like you said, you know, you kind of separate, you know, and try to maintain for the next night or, 
you know, so on and so forth. But yeah, I guess we'll see as it unfolds and if it does come to fruition, if, if uh, we're going to play live, I'm, I have a feeling, a pretty strong feeling that it will at some point, um, you know, there's been, uh, you know, a few opportunities thrown our way. It just hasn't been the right fit. So I think yeah. at some point, well, know, until, we un- until then, I mean, the people that, you know, have your back and are giving you full support for something that's kind of this sort of odd bird, you know, it's, mm-hmm. I wouldn't call it a unicorn because of the tribute band thing, but because there's sure. a shit ton of those out there. Everybody knows that. And there is. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys have this different angle. Uh, eventually someone's going to come up with the right amount of zeros and sure. you guys are going to have to <laughs> kind of show up and be classic 78. It's gonna, it has, right. it's gonna, it's gonna have to happen at some point. Well, you know, we've had, it's, it's crazy to kind of think of the things that have come our way since this started. Once again, when Tom first reached out to me about doing this, cause it was kind of, you know, something that I had thought about and, and he was like, let's, let's do this. And I'm like, I don't know. Like this, this is something that, you know, something that could real really kind of fall flat on its face if it's not done right. Or we could be lambasted by you know, like people criticizing and like, boy, we really got to have our stuff together. And, um, but the stuff that's come our way because of it, like we actually, um, you know, which we're in talks at one time, you know, to see about a record deal by a major label. And, um, wow. And I think that was a uh, connection, I think somewhere through Charlie Mm -hmm. and, um, and that was flattering. And I really think, you know, I'm like, boy, it would be really cool to say that, you know, we're on this label or whatever, or that label. And, um, but at the end of the day, we're like, you know, we've done this on our own so far and we we seem to be doing okay. It's hard to turn down, you know, a deal but it's not the same deal that you have got 30 years ago you know no so at that time we're like at some point you know creative control and all this other stuff it's nice to not have to owe anyone anything yeah. just at the end of the day just enjoy it right um but i still find it crazy to think that um someone would care that enough you know I don't know, just to kind of throw that concept out there of, Hey, would you guys be interested? And and that to me is, yeah, that's just super yeah. cool. And uh, well, you're, you're, like I you're, said, flattering. You're definitely filling a void. So let's, let's not forget how this all started. I mean, you, you know, there's, there's a buttload of kiss fans out there that stopped paying attention after dynasty and, and you guys are filling a niche that we haven't, you know, we, we've been starving for something like what you do for decades now and, and no offense to kiss, but you know, I haven't been interested in a new kiss record since probably, you know, the solo records or the dynasty album. And then I stopped sure. paying attention. Uh, so, so there is, uh, I would think a demand for what you're doing now, whether that means, you know, a concert tour or whatever, but at the very least, there's people that want to hear this music, I would think, because I've heard it and it's great. <laughs> and it's, nice. it's awesome nice. how great it sounds compared I, I to kiss, I slot it right in between, you know, hotter than hell and dressed to kill or, you know, somewhere between rock and roll over and destroyer possibly. 
Destroyer might be a little more on the polished side, but it's that raw early kiss that anyone that's a kiss fan initially fell in love with. Yeah. If you're a certain age, I I feel like what you guys are doing doesn't have Bob Ezrin's name in the scope of it. Maybe. Right. That's that's a little bit. That's a little, even though that's 75, 76 era ish, I feel like rock and roll over and love gun are present somehow, but those are not Bob Ezrin. There's there's one little hint of Ezrin in the whole oh. uh, Phantoms album. It's, it's the tubular bells at the end of oh, Queen okay. of Hearts, I think. Okay. That was the only only wow, Ezrin okay. kind of oriented thing. Um, All right. But we did want to we did want to throw a little bit in there. We're like, you know what? How cool would it be? Uh, you know, the, you know, geeks will pick up on that like we did. You know, and be like, yeah. hey, that's a little bit of Destroyer. You know, because. I mean, there's not many Kiss albums with tubular bells. So if you no. know right off the the bat, those you know, wedding bells or whatever you want to call them, and do you love me? You know, right. um, we kind of threw that in at the end of that song. Well, and Great Expectations um, too has that yes, sounds yes, like a Bob yeah. Ezrin thing. It's very haunting and reverberated, and probably I saw has bells. Probably I has saw bells. a song on there on I, on Phantoms called. Let me get this right. It's called Please and please and tease and it sounded it caught my eye because it sounds like a song by my co-host here his band dangerous toys did a song called tease and season uh-huh so, absolutely but well, in, uh, it, celtic frost has a song called uh tease me please me yeah that, that i can I think, understand but it's the scorpions also have a song called tease me please me as well yeah that i can understand <laughs> but when it's all slurred together like the dangerous right. toys song or the classic 78 song that's mm-hmm. that's what i'm talking about that's very yes. uh i i did notice that uh also um so i'm, I'm gonna tell you to be totally honest um there's i mean tom does an excellent job writing these songs you know they can't in our case, um, it, it's hard. It's really hard to write in that style. I've I've tried it, and um, when he'll bring me a song and say, "Hey, what do you think of this? Can you change this? Or do you have anything to add to this?" Or um, if you notice the themes of the songs or the titles, they totally, you know, scream, you know, seventies Gene Simmons, or yes. or you know, or I don't know if you uh, heard the A song on the last record or um uh smoke and mirrors you know the double the double meaning of the lyrics um like tom is a excellent writer that being said sometimes you know we can't uh they can't all be you know the best you know they all you know sometimes we get a few songs that you know might have been a, a b-side you know <laughs> and uh a, a lot of our songs some people have said well, they've made a career out of making kiss sounding B-sides. And I was like, well, you know, that's so. still an impressive that's great. in your cap to me. I think that that's to be able to even get that much of their yeah. brain cell to even think. Sure. That, sure. I think in, it in, is a, in 2020, a great in 2023, I'll take an album of kiss 1975 B-sides all day long. <laughs> All day long. Yeah, just just rewrite mainline, you know, like twenty five <laughs> times, and I'll buy all of it. I That's mean, right. I mean, come on. Uh, I'm needing some love, and I'm hot like an oven. 
Yep. <laughs> it's so true. I, I I'm That's worried. Funny. I'm worried about who thought that was a great rhyme for, for, for <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pretty bad. It almost, I mean, but that see back in those days, I'm, it didn't, didn't even matter. My, my last thought is that's kind of the charm that I like of it. You don't know that until you, you get older and this is what you look right. like when you get older, but. Right. <laughs> and especially <laughs> if you start writing your own songs, then like you did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You, you, yeah, you, you raise the bar a little bit as you get older and you raise it even further if you become a songwriter. So I would love to get Tom on here just to. Of course. See yeah. and hear his sort of process as to what it is, where he's going lyrically, or if he if he's reading a book, if he's, you know, because lyricists take from, I take from everything, books and magazine sure. articles and newspapers and movies, and I don't read as much as I should. The point is, is his process, I would imagine, you know, he's like reading the paper one morning and drinking coffee going, oh, shit, that sounds like Gene, something Gene would say. I'm <laughs> well, going to write that I, down and, you know. I, I have my own theory on, on some of that. Um, once again, back to the word geekness. Love it. Um, you know, you open up the gatefold on a lot, Kiss Alive, uh, Alive One, and you see the notes. Um, yeah. Their personalities are all right in front of you mm -hmm. without even hearing a song or a lyric that they wrote, just those notes. And Gene starts his with dear victims. And coincidentally, uh, on the second release that we had, Tom wrote a song called victims. And I'm like, son of a, you know, like he, mm -hmm. <laughs> I knew exactly where he got it from. So I have my own theory that, you know, occasionally you may read a, a kiss interview or something, or, you know, go deep down the, the kiss rabbit hole. As far as Gene knowing his personality, he's into horror films. Okay. So then you have that. So like you could literally go back and um, kind of pick apart their personalities on a songwriting level, you know, Ace, right. Gene, they all have their own distinct personalities. And I think that's even more impressive that Tom could not only sing like, those two but he can write like those two and i'm like <laughs> so yeah he he's the guy with all, with all the real talent i just i just uh i just work here you know uh, <laughs> no don't sell no, yourself I, short you've got an important job because paul oh, yeah. is like kind of the main you know what i'm saying Thanks. there's a lot of yeah. spotlight on on paul oh, yeah. so, sure as well character. i was actually i'm actually shocked I mean, there's obviously someone who could do this better than me. And I'm just, uh, I'm just like, there's gotta be someone out there that will be willing to do this and, and probably sounds dead nuts. Perfect. Like Paul Stanley. And, uh, cause I actually, I have to work at it. There's gotta be someone out there. I mean, there's 7 billion people in the world. There's gotta be one out there, right? <laughs> I'm just waiting for someone. Okay. Now, you know, I enjoy it a lot, but I, I, I don't have any false, you know, uh, false, uh, you know, thoughts on it about, you know, well, I, I'm the best. I, I know that I have to really work at it and there's a yeah. lot of stuff, even like vocal doubling, you know, will help you achieve yeah. more convincing or even the songwriting. Um, I agree song, with all of that. Yeah. If the song has a gong at the beginning of it or, you know, that stuff helps sell the whole thing along with the vocal. So if the vocal performance 
isn't exactly Paul. Maybe something else in that song, like a cowbell in a certain area, the, the, will help sell it. The the style of riff, how angular that blues 101 riff is played. Sure. Um, you know, jacked up with the right guitar tone. You there might be a, a performance, a, a recorded vocal that you've done where you're not really sold yourself. You're not really sold on it yet, but right, if you get that tone right, and everything else that you the sprinkles, you know, that moment sure. that you were concerned about goes right away, and it goes by right. so fast. I would imagine. I would also imagine like that mixing and producing a just a one song, much less an entire record has to be so fun uh as well as maybe frustrating because of what i said earlier about damn it it just doesn't sound close enough to <laughs> you know going blind which is might be the palette you're trying to tap into sure. whatever there, there was a, a few moments so i did quite a bit of mixing on this hmm. um so there was some parts where i took liberties and I'm like, I don't care what they say. This is this is Kiss through and through. And one of them was, uh, I think it was What You're Gonna Do, uh, a Gene song. I did the low Dr. Love voice, you know, Dr. Love. But I panned it. So if you listen to it, if you listen to Dr. Love, there's those tricks in, that you hear in your ear. Or on uh, the Ace song, there's a pick slide that slides from this side to that side, you know, to kind of make it sound... Um, you know, they used to do all sorts of little tricks like that. And once again, down to that little tiny minutia of the way it's mixed. Um, but yeah, like panning and, and little stuff like that could even make a difference, especially if you're listening to headphones, you know? Yeah. So where, you, where do you go? Where do you go from here? I mean, is, is Phantoms sort of a one and done or can you make a catalog out of this type of these, this type of music? Well, we keep saying you know, after every single one, well, this may be our last one. You know, we don't know. We don't want to put anything, um, you so, know, the reception. The let, reception sorry, let me interrupt. So, so Phantoms is your first full length, but prior to that, you've got two EPs. And, Correct. And they're called Side One and Side Two, followed by yes. Phantoms is the full length. Okay. Yes. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just want to set no, the no, no, you're good. For, for people that aren't familiar with your catalog. Two EPs, sure. full length is Phantoms. And the question was, can you can you keep putting out albums like Phantoms for, you know, it's however? Like, it's like this, Dave. Get to work, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, like get I said. Claudio, he, get, get another, you know. Get Claudio, snap it here. Yeah. We, you know, Tom is, is, uh, is, is very, very driven. Of course, he's at a, an age where he doesn't have kids at home. You know, he has... A, a great job. He, um, I don't know if he wants me to reveal what he does for a living. You don't have, but he does, he, he, he does, he does, he works very, very legendary band. I'll, I'll tell you that. All right. Um, um, very, very legendary. And so he works for them. And so he's, you know, he just, I think he loves life in, in numerous ways and he's able to come home at the end of the day and really just kind of, Hey, I want to geek out and write a cool kiss song, kiss vibe, you know, song. And, um, and he'll just go for it and he does it. And every time he blows me away, but as far as sustaining this project, you know, a lot of it has to do with the reception like this one. Like, I mean, we, I think this hit uh, number one on the iTunes rock album 
wow. charts. Um, and that was kind of cool to see, like we literally went from, you know, just messing around and, uh, you know, once the thing grew legs in, I think out of all genres, it was number eight for like a little while, you know, and that's, these days, you know, it's hard to really gauge how how the music business works compared to how we, oh, we have a cat climbing across okay. the daily or sorry. Right. We have many um, cats on this show. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, uh, you know, well, I had some concepts, you know, I'm a very concept oriented guy. I may not write the songs, but like the Alive album was an idea I had. I had an idea called Covers with a K, of course, right? And what you would do is say you took Saturday Night Special by Leonard Skinner and made it into a Kiss song with them performing it, um, yeah, or or what have you, or, or a very cool, you know, pick a humble pie song, or and then sing it like Paul, or you know, whatever, whatever you know, spin you want to put on it. So this was something, a couple ideas I threw out there. Whether they happen or not, we'll see. But um, you know, everyone seemed to like the idea of the live, you know, record. Yeah. Um, because we could put some new tracks on there or even like the alive Two, put some studio tracks on for the people that are like, well, I wasn't really wanting a live album, but Hey, at least they got these bonus tracks, you know? Yeah. Um, so we'll see if it happens. Um, right now, our next move was to release on vinyl, but due to, the supply chain and of course you guys probably have heard all about sorry I'm, my cat's making a that's right <laughs> a mess here with his uh he's <laughs> well, in, out. in kiss so, fashion uh, in kiss fashion we'll call it confetti yes there you yep. go there you go <laughs> not just so, confetti, it's kitty confetti kitty confetti. kitty yep that's right sorry <laughs> oh, what are you doing <laughs> um sorry guys that's fine. um so uh yeah that's that, that seems to be the logical next step Okay. I do know that we do have material written if there is a studio or a live. Um, Tom actually has played me some demos and they're great, you know, so I don't see why not as far as, you know, moving on and doing another release. Um, but it, it's really hard to say because I, I get it. You know, people's schedules change. Charlie's schedule has gotten significantly oh, yeah. busier than it was, you know, yeah. with the Pantera tour and, you know, you know, everyone has their own things going on and this is kind of a side project for all of us, you know, and so yeah. I guess we'll see, you know, I'm, I'm hoping we do, uh, but I can't yeah, speak for I the other guys. So. You know? so clearly, clearly the wheels are spinning, you know, it sounds like of you course. some ideas in the can. If you want to flesh them out, you will, if time allows, you will, but yeah. Okay. Joe, cool. what, what and the fact the that you said that it charted so well or did so well yeah, that goes back to the, goes back to the point that I made earlier people have been waiting for a new oh, yeah. kiss album since 1978. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to yeah, say, where, yeah. where are you located? Yeah. I'm actually in upstate New York. Okay. And, uh, right. Charlie's near Chicago and Tom's yeah. in Boston. Okay. So we kind of have this long distance, uh, working relationship as yeah. far as, you know, uh, so that, that does make it difficult. We've talked about getting together and, and, uh, you know, actually, I think we would do 10 times better if we could sit in a studio Oh yeah, over a couple couple days and everyone kind of, because that disconnect is, is a real thing. You know, I, I love digital recording and it's super handy and I've, you know, done a lot of session work and all this other stuff. 
and it's it's handy for sure but there is something to be said about being in the same room uh everyone in real time sharing their thoughts and one little tiny little you know suggestion could make a world of difference and that's something i'd like to see in the future you know get us all into one room and really see what we could pull off i hope that happens i was going to ask you uh aren't you a, a a songwriter and a performer of your on your own stuff don't you i i i am so this is this is quite the uh interesting career i've had um so i actually sing country music yeah um i'm you know performing uh you know all the time with a country group i work with uh, i don't know if you know who luke bryan is but i sounds familiar he's a he's a he's a host on american idol now that's probably what he's notable but he's a you know pretty big country star anyways huge i work i work you know with his band a lot and writing and recording so i've done a lot of fun stuff in that area you know area but you know deep down the rock side has always kind of had a, a really good grip on me and i've loved it you know that was my first true love was you know rock music especially kiss but you know my family growing up they were all you know uh my uncles and my mother and my father they were all country wow you know musicians so it was funny to have that once again that um differential of wow that's you know quite a jump to go from singing like paul stanley or playing you know bruce kulik's leads and a tribute band or you know 80s kiss cover band with chris jericho <laughs> yeah. and then go go and sing a country song somewhere you know it's, it's a very uh interesting and uh weird sometimes you know I, I tell my brothers you know i spent my whole life trying to be a country singer but <laughs> i've had these really cool opportunities with the kiss thing and i love it i love all of it i like the fact that i could say that well, I've done this project. I've done that project. I mean, here I am a country singer and I did backup vocals for a, a group called Lordy. I'm not sure if you've ever heard yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, I knew that they, they dress, they uh, dress crazy. Yes. Yeah. They, they were, they were managed by Bill Coin also. Okay. And, Aren't they um, in English? Are they an English band? They, uh, from Finland. Finland. So they're okay. Finnish. Yeah. Right. Um, anyway, they were uh, managed by a coin uh, before a coin passed. And, um, they were um, doing during COVID. Uh, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, during COVID, they said we're going to release like seven albums all at once. And I was like, "Wow, <laughs> more power to you!" But what it was was a, a seven-album box set on vinyl, Whoa. and every album had something that they were influenced by. One of them was just strictly '70s Kiss. So they hired Tom and I to do to do all these. Uh, you know, whoa, yes, and you know, what, what have you, you know, like insert, you know, uh, right. Gene Simmons, you know, Ad style lib. scream, yeah, ad libs, there you yeah. go, yeah, um, or backup vocals, you know, we did like harmonies, and I um, like how you said, you know, the whoa, yeah, 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 you got you got to throw that in our eye, you know, and the so, ooh, like there was, yeah, yeah, exactly. So we did backup vocals on a Lordy record, you know, like seven, seven songs on a, a Lordy. That- that is going to be hard to beat. That is hysterical. <laughs> uh, that because of your your kiss love and fanaticism and ability to uh, impersonate vocally, uh, to be hired for that is 
I mean, that's not something you would ever like, I know what I'm going to do with my life. You know, right, right. That's yeah, hilarious. It, it's, it's definitely interesting. And uh, I kind of sometimes joke about it. But in reality, um, I'm pretty lucky. This cat's going nuts. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty lucky to, you know, I've made so many awesome kiss friends. And, uh, you know, it's amazing growing up in school, um, going through, you know, high school. And I had the only people I had that loved kiss as much as me or even to any level. You know, I grew up going to school during the grunge era. And it was really tough because no one loved this music. And everyone was like, oh, kiss, they suck. And I you almost feel alone. And then once my brothers graduated, I, I was like, okay, it's just me now. And now I got to try to defend myself as a Kiss fan, you know, while Green Day and Pearl Jam and right. what have you are, are being released. And uh, man, are probably like, Kiss fans. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, say, uh, you yeah. know, get, getting to that point where in my life where it's come full circle and now, 90% of the contacts in my phone are kiss fans. You know, that network has grown and you know, I, it's like, I get to like, we're doing a tour with um, a mini tour with Jericho, you know, you know, doing this eighties kiss thing. And uh, you know, that's just a fun little, you know, like you get to get, you know, get out on the road and play kiss music with Chris Jericho and, and, uh, it's just like, man, this is crazy. You know, you feel so alone in school as a Kiss fan, you know, and sometimes you're like, ah, oh, boy, you know, my, my friends think Kiss sucks, whatever. But now, like I said, you know, and you guys probably have experienced similar things, you know. It's kind of the same way for in our generation. Like, I remember being a kid on the school bus and being into Kiss and all the older kids thought that was kiddie stuff because they were into sure. Zeppelin and Ted Nugent and Black Sabbath mm -hmm. and Aerosmith and Kiss was for children, you know, and they sure. sort of dismissed them. And you were like, what? This is like the coolest thing ever. So, yeah, I think it's a, a generational thing where you've kind of always had to, uh, you know, sort of fight for your, you know, your your fandom, if you will, if you were a Kiss fan. It can take and then a it's funny that you mentioned the grunge people. thing because the Melvins put out a record where the, I mean, the thing, the cover looks like a Kiss record and, and I think there was a there was an entire grunge album that came out in the '90s that was all grunge artists doing Kiss cover right. songs. So the Kiss my ass thing. That's yeah. right. There you go. So I, we, I, we go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I, yeah, I could just never understand that. Everyone's like, well, you know, Kurt Cobain was a Kiss fan. In fact, yeah. he stole a Kiss T-shirt or a Kiss lunchbox and got in trouble back. And you know, and they did a cover of "Do You Love Me," which is probably the worst cover of "Do You Love Me" in my opinion. But uh, I'm just like. You know, how do you explain that, you know, back in 1994, 95, when everyone else is like, no, they're not KISS fans. It's because, you know, the way they perceive themselves and, um, you know, like the rock star, uh, almost like they were ashamed, not ashamed, but like didn't want to say it too loud because it might ruin their credi uh, credibility. And yeah, to me, it's like and all these years later, you know, to see that, um, you know, that everyone you know, I wasn't crazy, you know, like this no. was worth, you know, worth uh, all of the, the shit that I took for, oh, yeah, I was you saying, know, from friends. I was saying yeah. a, a minute ago, it, it, it can take a lifetime to find your people. You Absolutely. Know, you have to Absolutely. go through those, those odd years. And then during those odd years, you're wearing a kiss t-shirt, you're glutton for punishment. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I had a, a different kiss t-shirt for every day of the week. 
Yeah. I got I pummeled on the, the jocks. I did too. Yeah. The jocks did not like that because they're here's I figured it out, I think. Their parents wouldn't let them grow their hair and wear t shirts. Mm, their makes parents sense. their yeah. parents made them wear button ups and khakis and shit like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, it's so funny. That feel of freedom did not exist. You know, it was it was like if you're gonna try out for the football team, you're gonna try out for quarterback. And if and if right. you join the army, you're gonna be the <laughs> fucking general. And if you're not, I'm gonna kick your ass. That was their home. Exactly. Life. And I I didn't have that, you know. So yeah, same here. Same here. Yeah. And, and and uh you know, real quick circle back to your Fine. kiss kiss shirt for every day of the school week, and then some that that was me to a T. Like no, no joke. Like you know, people, I think, uh, you know, it's easy to kind of pinpoint looking back and yeah, it might've been overkill, but at the time you wanted to fly the flag, man, you know, I have yeah, a picture yeah. of me wearing a destroyer shirt, a kiss logo hat with the, the metallic kiss belt buckle. I have this photo. Ooh, nice. I'm, wearing, I'm a fucking billboard. I look, I look ridiculous. <laughs> I look like there's, I look like I've had a lobotomy or something because of all this garbage that I'm wearing and I'm just, I'm wearing it so fucking proud. And, uh, I wish I still had all that shit, you know, because right. it kind of formed who, what this is, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I got to ask you guys real quick. Yeah. Um, What's what's your favorite uh, makeup Kiss album? I like I mean, it I like when they turn the tables. Oh, so, I love so it he, when they turn the tables on. Yeah, he's you? reading my yeah. mind because yeah. I was gonna play what I, I like. I once in a while I like to do a rapid round of questions with our guest, and I was gonna oh, turn okay. the tables on you, and and that was one of the questions. Okay, so we'll just go around the room. We'll start with Joe since you're the guest. Favorite '70s Kiss album? Okay, favorite '70s Kiss album. Boy, that's so tough. I would have to go with the first album just because every single, well, almost every single song is near perfect. Um, it, it's a toss between that and, and rock and roll over. It's tough, isn't it? Yeah, it is super tough. Jason. Uh, impossible. Uh, but if I have to pick one, it's probably going to be a lot of people go for destroyer. Um, but it's gotta be one of the first three records. Um, hotter than hell was my first record that I bought with my own money. Mm -hmm. And there's something about that record, probably because of that. And it's part of the thing that I fell in love with. Uh, I first heard Kiss Alive, and then I just went and bought everything with Kiss on it after that. Um, yep. But probably, probably hotter than hell because it it uh, reminded me a little bit of kind of an Alice Cooper album for some reason because it had like I thought that Going Blind was this like wow this is a weird one for what they're trying to do here you know and and. Right. Uh, and that, you know, the fact that Hotter Than Hell, that that was on the Alive, and I'd heard, oh, this is on their live album. I'm buying yeah. this, you know. So there was, yeah. there was an attraction to Hotter Than Hell. I don't call me weird, but I love the album cover art for it's like just clip art for Hotter Than Hell. It's fucking oh, it's so good. The man. black and white photo with all this color popping behind it. I was like, what genius came up with this sort of pop art style here that's fucking huge right now? If you see movie, the graphics, mm-hmm. that, like that movie, yeah. the interview, they're doing like the red and the black and the white. Well, you know, I yeah. just, I had this conversation. 
expectations. So I have two, two children. Okay. One is, the oldest is 16. The youngest is 13. Both ginormous KISS fans. Wow. And we had this discussion the other day. I told them, I said, you know, the album art to Hotter Than Hell, in my opinion, has to be one of the coolest. It just, it makes sense to me. I don't know why it shouldn't make sense with the fingers, with the green fingernails. I don't know. So but weird. it works. And, and honestly, I think Love Gun might be, you know, Love Gun and Hotter Than Hell might be my two favorite album covers. The first album cover to me was a dud. I think if you could combine um you know some of these albums some of the tracks and then the artwork like if you took i stole your love and put it on rock and roll all over and put the love gone artwork that would be a perfect kiss album isn't, wow. it, isn't it kind yeah. of a mess that like the first album that you, you the cover art you called a dud i i understand why you would say that but it's kind of like a oh hey guys your costumes aren't ready yet for the photo shoot Right. And they're like, God right. damn it. So then they have to compromise. So, so then, and then like, you know, whatever dress to kill comes out, they're not even wearing a costume. Right? <laughs> That's a good point. But That's they're, point. but, yeah. but, but, and then this is kind of shitty. Uh, when I think about it, I'm getting secretly depressed here. The, uh, the album cover for hotter than hell, the photo shoot, they is a black and white. Yes. And and it's so they have all this color and shit, but the photo that they cropped that out is, is black and white. But the costumes are ready. We got our costumes, but you have this almost like fuzzy out of focus. <laughs> well, that's black and white. They're, they're, their costumes in those early days, their costumes green, green were nails, their their costumes were very black and white or black and silver back in in those days, you know, before the yeah. you know, the the big, you know, the over-the-top costumes that yeah. came out with like destroyer or love gun or whatever i i would probably i'd have to go with i man this is tough because i i like destroyer because for sentimental reasons it's the first kiss album i ever had i ever bought with my own money i had it on cassette so that's the sentimental favorite but sonically and song wise i've always leaned towards dress to kill but in recent years <laughs> Uh, I've been revisiting Rock and Roll Over, and that's that's almost a perfect rock album. Smoking record, yeah. I love every start song to on that record, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the debut—I mean, half the songs on the debut are still in the set list to this day, so it's packed full of classics. You it's know, like it's like Kill 'Em All. It's yeah, it's Metallica's it's, yeah. Kill 'Em All. Those songs They're, are still in the set. Okay, so Joe, Joe grew up in the '80s. So favorite '80s Kiss album. Of course it's got to be crazy nights <laughs> oh no i know this this is this goes back to my uh this goes back to the, <laughs> this goes back to i, I know <laughs> my my friend wayne stokely is laughing in dallas because he and i have had this fight ever since we've known each other he swears not only is it the best kiss album it's the greatest album ever recorded according to wayne stokely uh, yes okay but so know, so he loves you right now. Well, I got to say, you know, I try to separate, you know, the makeup era from the non-makeup because otherwise you could drive yourself nuts. But, you know, going back to that sentimental thing, um, everyone joins the army or enlists in their own time and after the right time for them. Um, 
I just remember watching Kiss Exposed, Animalized Live Uncensored, and all these non-makeup uh, things. And I remember watching the, the makeup footage and loving that just as much because they released that on Kiss Exposed. It had, you know, the, you know, the Cobo Hall and, uh, you know, all sorts of cool footage, the Winterland, which is obviously one of my favorite performances God, that Kiss has ever, ever done. If I could so go good. back in time and stand in that <sighs> room. Oh my gosh! Holy yeah, same here, man. They're on fire. Oh, it's magic. Yeah, I mean, nothing, yeah. nothing about that show is, is. I mean, that's perfect, start to finish, every uh, note, every single thing. And uh, but you know that goes brings me back to being a kid. I remember my brother going to the Crazy Nights concert. I remember the T-shirt. I remember the music. And to me, it's a nostalgic. You know, nostalgia is a you know guilty uh, pleasure. You know, I think for a lot of people and um that album to me means more than just the music on it, but, a, a, you know, a timestamp of, or a, a time capsule rather of, you know, a moment in my life when the world was simple, I was a kid, you know, uh, I had nothing to worry about except, you know, watching uh, cartoons and kiss and listening to kiss music. So yeah. that's that, 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 you know, that's I, I get a, I get a lot of, a lot of crap for that. And and rightfully so, because, you know, there's some people that just hate the keyboards. I I get it. I totally, you know, I, I like the rock inside of kiss too, but I think there's something to be said about, you know, the way Paul sang on album Bruce, you know, being a friend of mine, just like listening to that guitar work objectively and saying, I don't care if it's a kiss record. The guy just had some really sweet solos and, I think the album cover is cool. I think it may be one of the best Kiss album covers of all time with a broken mirror. I think that's brilliant. I think yeah. Uh, yeah. that's something that I'm surprised they didn't do, you know, in the makeup era. Cause I think that could have been cool too. That would have been great. Yeah. I've seen people do like, you know, Kiss fans online do the mock up with the makeup faces in the mirror. I'm like, that, you know, that could have worked too. That I mean, yeah, it's cool. just. Cause then you factor in Paul's shattered glass Iceman guitar and exactly. it all makes sense. Right. It, it, plays, it, it makes plays perfect sense. Their, it plays into the whole mystery as well. Cause they, they're all about having some mystery. So. Yeah. Jason, so you, favorite 80s so, Kiss album. Favorite 80s Kiss album. Um, this I can't wait I, for. I, yeah, <laughs> you're going to be, don't hold your breath. Exactly. Uh, you're going <laughs> to die. Um, I don't really have. I don't really have one because after 79, I kind of went another way, but I, I feel like they were still writing some great fucking stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, or, or, or they were doing, they were writing with other people, uh, and right. And have, there were some great songs on, on some of those records. Mm -hmm. Um, what I don't even know what songs that I uh, like. Uh, <clears throat> what album is is that you on? That's a unmasked. Yeah. That's unmasked. What year is so, that? Eighty. That's eighty. Yeah, yep. eighty. So uh, here's that, the thing that still has makeup, right? It's a makeup album. Is it really Kiss playing on it? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Good question. Because I don't think is that you is really. A great, a great kiss song that was written yeah. by somebody else. That's right. Yeah. It, it's, it's funny though. Um, you know, I, I really dig what Anton dig did on those albums, but you know, as far as, uh, you know, you can't really get, no one can mimic 
Peter, quite like Peter. Charlie comes pretty damn close. I've seen him do the Peter Chris shuffle and, you know, just really kind of get. He's, but I mean, he gets, he gets, Peter has such a unique style and he, he doesn't get the, you know, deserved credit. I mean, the guy had more energy than I think any drummer that I've ever seen in my life. Um, but on top of that, some of the stuff he does may sound simple, but when you try to sit down and actually play, I actually play drums, you know, that's my first instrument that I learned oh. and I still play to this day. But like that stuff is not easy, you know, do that a live solo. It sure it sounds rhythmic and fun, but sit behind the kit and, and try it for a while. It's, it's not as easy <laughs> as it sounds, you know? Yeah. There's so many people that have, uh, that have come forth and they're, you know, no holds barred. They probably wouldn't mention it to anyone. It's probably been a secret to them when they were, when they were young and cocky, you know, 17, 18 years old, you don't want to admit that who's your, what got you into playing drums? Peter Chris from Kiss, yeah. you know, yeah. like Dave Lombardo was in Slayer at the time. And, <clears throat> and, um, you think about him, you, you see recent interviews with him and what got you into drums. And he's like, I heard the kiss. I heard Peter Chris's drum solo on a live. And I, I was like, I'm going to do that, but like 50,000 times faster. And, yeah. and I was like, that's really cool to hear somebody like him. Who's like considered a God in that sure. style of music to talk about his childhood and really what he originally fell in love with. Sure. Yeah, it's funny. I, my buddy uh, that plays drums for Luke Bryan, and here he is playing, you know, country songs about trucks and whatever. But he'll go back and tell you when you ask him, he'll say, you know, I know it's kind of a stock answer, but Peter Chris is the reason I picked up the drumsticks. Yeah. And that's amazing to me. It doesn't matter who do you play for, you know, usually out there somewhere, you're going to find someone. And I, I feel, um, you know, it's too bad that like through, you know, Kiss fans and musicians, Peter gets the respect. But from those uh, music snobs, it, it, they'll never see him as anything more than the drummer for Kiss. Which you're is, making is me unfortunate. You're making yeah. me sad. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> but but you're you're speaking the truth that I feel like they're never going to realize that because they're not studying that or they're not a drummer. So they just ah, Peter Chris, you know, the the joke on on uh, what was it, Family Guy. Uh, where he says, uh, why are you dress like Peter Chris? Nobody wants to be Peter Chris, not even Peter Chris. That, <laughs> that shit fucked with me. I was like, what? I was like, oh, yeah, damn. Cool. you know, yeah, kind, kind of related to what I was saying a little bit earlier. But obviously, right. Peter Chris might be one of the biggest drummer influences mm -hmm. ever. Yeah. And the same could be said about Ace for guitar. You know, I mean, yeah. it's yeah. What, what they did, what they did back then was so huge and magical and the fact that it's still relevant this many years later is mind-blowing yeah. um but it, it makes sense look at it and the cream rises to the top and yeah. it's it's been there and it'll, it'll stay there I, i'm you know my kids you know 13 my youngest is 13 and the fact that he could see what's cool about this still tells you it's timeless yeah. and that it's still you know fresh and it still is competitive with everything that's out now, if uh, you know, it's not very hard to compete with a laptop, but uh, you know, a lot of music, uh, you know, 
DJs and, and, uh, hip hop, nothing against it. But, uh, any day of the week, I'll take a kiss record and same thing with him. And it's great to see that, um, young kids, you know, could still, and there's a little bit of bias there because he grew up around it, but you know, I've seen him show his friends and they even dig it. And that, and that's cool to me, you know, yeah. But to understand that this stuff was created during a time when, you know, uh, tough times, probably. And uh, these guys are creating uh, something from nothing on, on banging on wood and wire. There's no, mm -hmm. there's no laptop. That's uh, right. And it's in, it's third eye stuff. It's, uh, it's intellectual property. It's, it's ground up. It's, it's walk five miles, miles to school kind of shit and, and just not even bat <laughs> yeah, an eye yeah. and, and get beat up on the way there and the way back. It's, you know, I, I, can, <laughs> I can relate, man, it's real. And, but, but yeah. have something to go, to go home to, it's not, not literal home, but sometimes home, most of the time home, sure. but something to come back to that you fell in love with as a, I mean, your entire life. I think that there's lessons there. And Kiss was always there. Hey, Joe, we could talk to you for fucking hours about, oh, all, tell of me about, this, about yeah. all of this shit. And I'm sure that you have been kept from dinner and breakfast and <laughs> kids and the whole thing. And we're, hey, I, guys, I got to go to work, you know. Uh, but <laughs> thank you so much. Please, let's talk about oh. where people can pick your stuff, pick up, you know, Phantoms and, uh, and just any, any, any of your stuff. Yeah. Uh, so the hub basically for classic 78 it's classic 78.com. You'll find everything on there. You know, you can figure out, uh, you know, you can listen to sound clips. You could, you know, see if you even like it to begin with. And if you do, um, uh, Newberry comics, uh, is the place that we almost exclusively, I, I hope people I've heard reports, you know, from many people that the album is being sold on eBay for gouged, gouging prices wow which is not cool i think no. it's still available for like 10 bucks um for the cd and you get it as digital download um but you know i i definitely uh you know as far as that goes you know we have social media just like uh most people do um you know if you want to find me personally shoot a message you know joe mcginnis on instagram facebook what have you and Great. of course I, I got a plug i know I got, got to plug uh, the quarantine thing with Jericho or that's yeah. quarantine with the K and we're going to be playing in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on July or June 29th. And we'll be in Ohio the following night. Uh, don't remember the exact date or the exact uh, clubs or towns, but we're in Ohio a couple nights cool. after the Pittsburgh date. And um, yeah. And then if you want to check out my country thing, which is doubtful in this, uh, this demographic, you'd but you never surprised. know, right? yeah, you'd be surprised, um, man. you know, Joe Uh There's all sorts of, you know, interesting stuff. You get to read my crazy bio and, uh, you know, kind of get a chuckle out of it here and there, <laughs> which we have not read to prepare for this episode. So, uh, all of the, uh, yeah, you, you have not truly been Googled. So this is good. No Wikipedia good. Was, was used to do this interview. This was well, all I, on the, I gotta tell you how big of fans we are of what we heard, what we've heard by, by your band. So, well, I appreciate that big time. I know the other guys will also, but I gotta say I've done tons of interviews, but this is absolutely one of my 
top favorites of all time. You guys are just so easy to talk to great dudes. Um, I could tell, you know, the passion is in there for music in general, but kiss, which is even cooler, which makes you guys, where were you when I was in high school? I mean, like, yeah. I mean, we were, we were already better late than never. We were already working because we're old. <laughs> I, had, I had a jock's boot on my neck. <laughs> That's where I was. <clears throat> well, for the record, uh, I never got to chime in. My favorite 80s Kiss album is Creatures of the Night. And I will say that, Joe, uh, one of the reasons your album is selling for outrageous prices on eBay is because people think it's a long lost kiss demo. <laughs> uh, could be. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, yeah. I, that's the other thing, too, is, you know, going with a label may give you a little bit more of a reach. But, you know, doing the grassroots kind of, you know, building from the ground up and doing it ourselves, there is some things like that that happen. And, um, it's unfortunate. I just don't want to see anyone have to pay any more than if it were up to me, I'd give free copies away all day, every day. And, uh, but it, it's, you know, it, it costs money to replicate this stuff. And eventually we're going to release on vinyl once awesome. the market clears up and we're able to do so. So keep an eye out for that also. And, um, and guys, this has been a blast and I'd love to do this again sometime. We'll yeah. talk about, uh, whatever you want. What, what about or, what about that Phantoms cover that Claudio did on a T-shirt? We're big T-shirt freaks. Yes, can you um, get that? So, so Claudio actually sent me a a poster of uh, the artwork. Nice, um, just complimentary. Another yeah. great guy, and I got to plug him again. Oh, yeah, and we just say him. go check out check out his artwork, Claudio Bergman. Amazing. Yes. Um, but yeah, he we basically said you know do what you want with it, you know, is you create, helped create it. So, um, it's kind of, a, you know, both ways. I don't know how it works with the classic 78 logo. I've seen people get stuff without the logo with it either way. You know, it's, it's a cool kiss related poster. If you yeah. wanted to look at it, you know, and not even have the classic 78, it's just a cool overall kind of vibe, um, with all the instruments on there. So I think I've seen really... Charlie, I think I've seen Charlie with a, I think I, he made his own sure. Maybe he's, he sent me one also. Okay. He, so did, he went I, out, he went rogue he, on you guys. He did. And yeah. he's like, what's your address? I, you already know. He's like, <sighs> or he, you know, he had my address, but for some reason that I, I don't know if he put it in his phone, but he sent me, we send each other stuff all the time, you know, fun little, uh, fun little, uh, kiss, kiss related stuff. And, cool. um, anyway, he, he sent me that shirt. So that, that's a, uh, a bootleg item yeah, bootleg. made by the band member. Yeah, yeah. Wow. band member in your own shit. I know all about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, well, uh, if you're a Kiss uh, Dave, Dave, Dave yeah, I, I like Creatures of the Night too. Okay, yes. great. Yeah, it's a really great, album. great. And the album cover was great. The glowing eyes, interesting. Yes. They switched out guitar players. You know? Yes, yes. I, it was the last album I paid attention to, and I got to admit, I sort of lost track after that. But to me, that was a great one. So all you KISS nerds out there listening today, go check out Classic 78. The album is called Phantoms. It is awesome. It sounds like vintage KISS. You won't be disappointed. If you're a KISS fan, you need this in your collection. Classic 78, the album is called Phantoms. On behalf of my co-host, Jason McMaster, I'm Metal Dave. Thanks to our guest today, Joe McGinnis of Classic 78 on the Talk Louder podcast. 